Welcome to the Building a Better You podcast, presented by the Garner Chamber of Commerce Young Professionals. I'm Nick Spindler with Community of Hope Ministries. And I'm Chris Morgan with Grow Local Realty. The goal of this podcast is to help young professionals develop and grow into successful business people in their community. In each episode, we will talk with local business leaders to provide strategies and tips to help our listeners. So let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Building a Better You podcast. We are here this week with Eric O'Brien. He is with Raleigh Oaks Behavioral Health. Uh, we were supposed to have Charday Edwards with us, but unfortunately, she got stuck at work and couldn't make it. So hopefully, we'll get her on here soon. But Eric, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. So I am the Director of Business Development for Raleigh Oaks Behavioral Health Hospital. And my job is to mainly be in the community and make connections with other referral sources, folks that are dealing with people during mental health crises that are looking for placement options. So uh, we have a list of resources for those that are um, seeking lower levels of service. We are just an inpatient stabilization hospital, but I build those and, and nurture those relationships in the community with those people, mostly hospitals, that uh, are trying to make placements for facilities like ours. Mm. That's awesome. And so we were really interested in having you and, and Sade on because um, mental health is, the crisis is just uh, exploding right now, Absolutely. it feels like, and is just something that is so critical, but also can be ignored or tough to talk about. Um, and so we want to invite you on just to kind of tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and tell us a little bit about resources that might be out there for people that could be struggling. You know, the past few years have been incredibly tough on mm-hmm. everyone, I think we can yeah. say. Um, and so what are some of the trends that you're seeing right now in the mental health community? Well, I think the, the most concerning part of the, the trends is that it's it's not new, right? It's mm-hmm. Mental health has always been an issue, but the rate at which the, the need for mental health services for inpatient or even outpatient services it's rapid. It's rapidly increasing. And then we look at 2019, we look at 2020, and what happened with COVID. The, the issues of people not having access to mental health services, not being able to see their, their outpatient psychiatrist or, or uh, um, access to just that level of support that they're used to on a regular basis was very challenging. Um, I think the, the telehealth services that were uh, made available to a lot of folks with the expansion of, of telehealth services during COVID was, was great. And there's some concern about that not being permanent, about the funding for that not being permanent, uh, which is a shame because it's opened it up to a lot of rural areas in which folks didn't have access to those levels of resources before. Um, ultimately, the, the, the most concerning trends that I think from, from my perspective are, are child and adolescent trends, which uh, I think I, I can't say the, the number of years, but it's been an upward decli- upward um, trajectory for a number of years, the rate at which um, child and adolescents are requiring higher levels of um, uh, behavioral health stabilization services. So mm. that's, the, that's the biggest concern is when is that going to be normalized? When is that going to stop uh, right. on the upward trajectory? So you mentioned um, the telehealth kind of being one of the bright spots. Are there any other maybe bright spots or new things that kind of as we dealt with COVID and need to figure out different things to do that might have been developed or that you see? Uh, unfortunately not. I mean, that, that was kind of born out of the need to connect people mm-hmm. with those resources during COVID. Um, there's, there's a lot of people trying to integrate, which I think is, is fantastic. They're, they're trying to integrate uh, technology to a greater degree in behavioral health care, okay. which kind of 
pigtails off that same um, um, uh, telehealth services, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it connects people the same way. So having that ability to, to use technology to kind of improve the level of care, improve the level of access across you know, large distances to not just metropolitan areas like Raleigh, but expand out to further rural areas that, that don't have those resources at all. Mm-hmm. But um, for our hospital alone, I was, I was very excited when I started about a month ago, um, the first time that I saw the level of technology that our hospital was implementing for just patient care. Um, a lot of times there's, there's still some facilities in the market that don't use uh, like electronic medical records. Wow. Right. It, you, you think really? you know, everything you're doing is paper and pencil, paper and pencil, and you've got these big binders. It's a very, it's, a, it's challenging for the staff that are working that way. Mm-hmm. But um, Raleigh Oaks has these, uh, these sensors that follow on, that were attached to the patient. And in order to document where that patient was, what they were doing during that time, that person who's taking the rounds, the, the notes on what that person's doing, you have to be in proximity to that patient in order to even record those rounds. So that makes sure that there's, there's um, integrity in between where the patient was and what the, uh, the staff members were recording. Yeah. That alone was a, big, was a big obstacle because a lot of the times um, documentation of actually what a patient's doing, what a patient's feeling, you know, where they, where they were during their treatment, that's a, a time-consuming, tedious part of it, but making sure that you have verifiable, valid rounds that show exactly what the patient was doing and where they were, that, that adds a level of credibility to the documentation for everybody, for the, the case managers, for everybody that's working inside the hospitals, and then the aftercare providers and the insurance. It's crazy to know how uh, technology plays such a big role in that industry, too, because, yeah. you know, I would have never guessed that somebody was still doing pencil and paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, electronic medical records, they've been around for so long. Mm-hmm. And the there was a push by the federal government to to make that mandatory, but there's there's time. They're giving everybody time in order to catch up to speed. Because yeah. there's a lot of new companies that are coming out with different EHRs, the electronic health records, that um, it takes a while to really find. If you've got a big network of hospitals, you really mm-hmm. have to find the right one that's going to yeah. integrate with all of them. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to make a decision and invest in a platform that's not going to work for everybody. So, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the next thing, something's new is going to come out, and you're like, oh, I just got all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking through, the, you know, just there's – People have all kinds of, of thoughts and feelings, and um, especially for the past few years, there's you know a lot of things that people probably felt like they were fine, and now are like, I don't really know how I'm doing. What are um, some things that you could recommend, tips or services or whatever, um, if someone's kind of feeling like, eh, I don't really know how I'm feeling, what are some things that people could do to help themselves? Well, I think there's there's a lot of great apps too. I mean, we, we on that same note of um, of technologies and integration into daily lives, there's a lot of apps for mindfulness, which is one of the components of um, DBT therapy. So it's it it keeps you focused on your yourself and what you're experiencing in the moment. Um, but using these cell phones that are always with us and always in our hands, there's a lot of apps that will specifically help you be more mindful of what your own behavior or what you're experiencing. I think that's step one because a lot of people just kind of. Um, walk through life and, and they experience these stresses, these these moments of anxiety, this intense depression, and they just kind of, they get stuck and, and they feel like that's just how things are and they get, you know, uh, used to experiencing like that. 
but there's a lot of, and not just technological components, but once you, once you realize that you're experiencing things like that, there are a lot of professionals out there that are able to provide that level of care. And with telehealth services, with, um, with just regular clinical therapy that can be done over the computer, over the phone, anything along those lines, there's opportunities out there to fit into your life, regardless of where you're, li- you're living, regardless of what you're experiencing in your life. There's, there's folks that you can connect with to, rec- to receive even those lower levels of services that, that people just need on a daily basis. Yeah. So if you were someone and you're thinking like, hey, I, I feel like I might need to talk to somebody about something, how would you even start that process? What would you recommend? Well, I'm lucky. I'm pretty well connected into <laughs> the, the behavioral health, mental health field. Um, I think what I would do, what I would, I would talk to family and friends first off, and I'd see. I think the, the funny thing is, is that there's more people involved in therapy than, than a lot of folks realize, mm-hmm. right? It's not something that everybody likes to talk about. It's, it's a, it still has an unfortunate stigma associated with it. Mm-hmm. But because there's so many other um, opportunities now to, to receive services one direction or another, Talk to friends, get, get, a, get a connection as to who they've used or who they know of that, that have worked. There's a lot of, um, you look at Facebook and LinkedIn and, and things like that, and there's a lot of advertisements there that'll just, they'll give you a free, you know, initial um, experience with the, a clinician. You can decide whether you want to continue or not. Um, but if, if it's serious, when it's, when it's a really serious concern, concerning um, feeling, Facilities like ours will will provide a free level of care assessment. So if somebody calls us and says, you know, I'm I'm really depressed. I've been I've been dealing with a lot lately, and it's it's really hard for me to focus on anything else. Um, I'm having some scary thoughts. I don't know what to do. They'll schedule an inpatient assessment. So they'll come in and they'll they'll do a, a level of care assessment, and they'll meet with a clinician. The clinician will go through a list of questions and say. Um, at the end of the, the, the analysis, they'll say, this is what level of therapy or level of treatment I think you'd be appropriate for. Okay. We only provide inpatient stabilization services, so those are the folks that are an immediate risk to themselves or somebody else. Um, for those folks that are requiring a lower level of care, we've got a whole list of opportunities mm-hmm. that, that we can connect them with that would provide that appropriate level of care to them. Is that a sorry, Nick? Uh, but is that something that sets you guys apart from other companies out there? Thankfully, I'd say that's pretty standard. I mean, okay. a lot of the a lot of the facilities will provide a continuum, so they'll be able to provide you. They'll meet you where you're at, whether mm-hmm. it's outpatient stabilization, you know, one individual treatment therapy session per week kind of situation. Um, there's there's individualized outpatient therapy or in. Um, intensive outpatient treatment there's uh, partial hospitalization where you're you're there kind of half a day at the mm-hmm. hospital and you receive some structured environment that that's supportive and you're receiving treatment in a, in a therapeutic environment but then you're still returning home at the end of the day we're at the highest level of care right now we may in the future expand to kind of a, a partial hospitalization program as well mm-hmm. to kind of meet that need uh, but currently we're just inpatient stabilization so they're they're with us they're usually with us somewhere between 8 to 11 days and mm-hmm. um, they'll stay with us in the facility 24 hours a day and and receive treatment around the clock. Gotcha. And I do think it's unfortunate you mentioned there is still a stigma Absolutely. around seeking help, therapy, or a counselor. Um, and one thing I try to tell people a lot is if you talk to any successful business person and you ask them, like, <laughs> what is one thing that, like, you absolutely need to be successful, the, one of the first things they'll tell you is you need a counselor, you need a therapist, um, you need to have someone that you're talking to. And so, you know, there's all these successful billionaires, millionaires out there that will tell you, like, you absolutely need this. And, but yet our society, there's still that stigma. And so um, hopefully we can turn that around. And that's part of the reason we want to have you on is to try to do our part in changing that stigma because um, 
we're all going to need help at some point. Yeah. You know, life is, is not all great. It's all, not all mountaintops. We're going to have valleys. Um, and it's nice to have people that you can talk to um, and also people that are just trained to help you Absolutely. talk through those things and process those things. We kind of talked about how, like, if, if you need help, what to do, but what would you recommend if you see somebody else that you think, I think they might need some help? Well, that becomes a sticky situation yeah. uh, because <laughs> when when you're you're working with somebody else and you're identifying that person might be an imminent risk of themselves or somebody else, mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're at that le- that end of the spectrum, um, that can become a little bit challenging. But um, always always be open and honest with with mm-hmm. folks. Um, I think at times like this and in times during COVID when we're, we're all locked away, we need to make sure that we're staying in touch with everybody mm-hmm. because you're not seeing them on a regular basis. You're just kind of assuming that your family, your friends, everybody's doing well. But if you're not actually seeing them eye to eye and you're not directly you know, with them in the room, sometimes you're, you're disconnected. You don't feel like you really know what's going on with them. So touching base with folks on a regular basis, make sure that you know, everybody's doing well. It's easy to put on a kind of that, that air initially mm-hmm. and, and try to, you know, um, if you're only if you're only interacting with people on a, on a short basis every once in a while right. it's easy to put up that that border and prevent people from from really knowing what you're going through but um, I think with showing just compassion and, and that you're there you know on a consistent base with other folks checking in making sure that they're doing well um, you can you can kind of sense if something's going on with them hopefully and if you do that's when you just start start um, going down that road and finding out what it is they're experiencing mm-hmm. and, and kind of learn a little bit about what they're doing and then you make your recommendations from that. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that a lot because, you know, you just never know what others are going through. Um, But when they, you know, that little bit of, hey, I see something. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. What do I do at this moment in time? So having this conversation is really great for me because it would help me for those that I may not have kept in touch with for God knows how long. So that's really good info. Um, And, you know, the funny thing that I was thinking about when when we were just saying the the topic of of the, the stigma is when I look at the professionals that I've, I've worked at several facilities, when mm-hmm. I work at these hospitals, and I, I look at the people that are involved in mental health treatment, a lot of people might um, be concerned about interacting with mental health professionals because they don't want to be labeled crazy or mm-hmm. needing that level of support, yeah. anything. I mean, that, that goes to the stigma. Um, but I think everybody that I've honestly come into contact with, either they themselves or somebody that's really close to them, has been experiencing mental health issues. And that's why people get into the field, right? They get into the field because they they want to make a difference in a situation that they've seen or they've experienced in the past. They want to be that supportive person to somebody that they've either received mm-hmm. or that they saw somebody that they loved needed at that time. And just the people that are dedicating their lives to behavioral health services, mental health services, they're the people that you you really want in your lives, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you want to be able to be connected with them because they're going to be supportive and, and kind of connect you with what you need in your life. Um, I think that that shouldn't prevent anybody from wanting to right. reach out for support. Is yeah. that your why also? Well, my why, yeah. I mean, there is there is mental health needs in mm-hmm. my family. Um, I actually got into um, working with children with autism, and that was because when I was in college, my, my cousin was working with children with autism, and she had, um, she had graduated, and she said that there were some folks that needed to that needed um, direct care workers to work with their children. And I became very close to that family. I'm still close to that family. And I still keep an eye on them from, from time to time and check in on the kids that yeah. I used to work with. But awesome. um, I was doing ABA therapy there, and, and I transitioned and changed my major. At the end of the day, I changed my major in college to start working in that. And 
Um, I, I majored in psychology, and, and I, uh, the, the doctor who I had worked under when I was doing ABA therapy reached out and said, hey, this hospital's opening up. This is up in Illinois. This hospital's opening up, and they've got an inpatient unit for children with autism. I thought you'd be perfect because you're a male, which is unfortunately rare in the, in the field. Mm-hmm. And um, some of those patients are really, really intense, and they have a lot of high needs that it's typically better for bigger individuals in order to try to keep the kids safe. Yeah. Um, and that, that was kind of the door. So I did five years of direct care with children with autism with really, really severe either self-injurious behaviors or aggressive behaviors towards other people mm-hmm. and transitioned into marketing. And I, I, I lost that connection, but I still enjoy what I do because I'm able to meet that need, scratch yeah. that itch kind of thing of, of still serving a purpose and mm-hmm. connecting outside providers with services that they need, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. kind of minimizing that time that patients have to sit in emergency rooms waiting for services. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, hats off to the people that do work in that field yes. because um, the things that they are helping people through to be listening to that and taking all that in on a daily basis, um, it, you know, it's, it yeah. can't be always easy. <laughs> um, it, ha- it has to bear. So hats off to them for um, being willing to kind of step into that, step into the mess with other people on a daily basis and help them wade through it because um, – I know as much as they wish they could just say, oh, yeah, it doesn't impact me at all. Um, (laughs) We know that can't always be the case. So thank you to all of those folks. Um, But as we come in for a close, there's two questions we ask every guest. And so the first one is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice? I would say, well, the one one that's always stuck with me, um, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, he's, a, he's like a marathon runner and a Navy SEAL, uh, David, uh, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a rule that was the, the 40% rule. When you have reached that level of feeling like you can't go any further, you've, you've hit the end of your rope, you don't have anything left in you, ultimately, really, that's just your mind telling you that you can't do anymore mm-hmm. and that you've hit that only really 40% of what your potential is and that mm-hmm. you've got so much more to go that's really in you, you just have to really push in order to get there. Yeah. That always, that always stuck with me with him for some reason. That's good. I love that. That's uh, it's, It reminds me of uh, one of those, I don't know what I was listening to. I think it was maybe on K-Love radio station. And it was a lady who, or it might have been on Clubhouse, one of the two. But it was where a lady, she was, I guess, swimming and doing her marathon or whatnot. And she couldn't get all the way there. And, you know, she couldn't see the, uh, the uh, horizon, essentially, for uh, shore. So mm-hmm. she was like just got up the water, got into the boat, and she was so bummed because they were just that close. So I was like, oh, man, that just reminds me of that little bit. Um, sorry I get sidetracked. Yeah. But that was yeah. my... Uh, well, you always hear people talk about getting their second wind, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you yeah. weren't really at the end, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to overcome mental. I think mental's yes. harder to overcome than physical limitations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I used to um, do triathlons, and um, it would be the same thing, like, I would just I would get my first race I ever did. I got so in my head during the swim that I essentially did a glorified doggy paddle for most of <laughs> And got out. It was just I felt so tired, so embarrassed, so humiliated, and it was like, oh, am I really gonna go like bike and run the rest of this? But like I like pushed through. 
Um, and then the, the next race, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, like just fought that mentally and did so much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I say we can just get in our own head sometimes. We sure can. It, that is very true. It can be really hard to fight through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it, once you once you feel like you can't go any further, but you force yourself to do it, and you you realize the potential is in you. I always think it's really interesting that that ultimately becomes like your new standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I can reach yeah. this far. So now, how much further than that mm-hmm. than I can reach? But giving up will always keep you from from finding that that limitation. Yeah, that's good. And the uh, so the second question that we like to ask is. Um, what is one thing that you utilize every single day, whether it's, uh, you know, in your business or personal life outside of work, what is something that you would like to share to a young professional that's watching or, you know, of something that you utilize? So, so not to take up too much time, but, but, uh, a couple of years ago, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Uh, I'm big on New Year's resolutions, right? Mm-hmm. And I was tr- I was trying to find a new resolution. And a couple Those of years are so ago, hard. They're hard, but <laughs> it, it, but it gives you it gives you that point to reach for, right? And mm-hmm. I always thought that was valuable. And and my I still trying to get my wife to do the same. Right. And and not everybody's on board, but um, I always I always like to start fresh with it with a new um, with a new goal. And a couple of years ago, it was all right, I'm going to give myself 365 days. I'm going to do 500 miles, a little over a mile a day. I can mm-hmm. do it. And I think I got to like mid January and collapsed. And she was mm. like, "This is terrible. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner by any measure. I can't. I I don't enjoy it, right?" Mm-hmm. And then it got to the next year, and I felt terrible when I reflected on that 500 miles. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I, can, you know, I can't do that again. All right, 500 miles. This is going to be the year I'm going to do it. And I got to about mid year, and I I had like a knee injury, and my oh. the the treadmill that I ran on was having issues. And I'm like, you just yeah. you lose that momentum, and you, and I I just couldn't come back to it. Um, and this year I was like, you know what I'm going to do? A thousand miles. This year I'm going to do a thousand miles. I'm going to make sure that I can go, you know, push myself as possibly as hard as I can. And what it forced me to do was um, you can't take a break. You can't take your foot off the accelerator because you'll never come close, right? It's if I'm going to fail now, I'm going to fail, mm-hmm. you know, hard, right, you right, know? Right. So. Uh, I pushed it to a thousand miles, and and oh boy, I'm, I got a couple of months ahead of me. I got got a month and a half ahead of me of some some serious running, but I'm still projected to the way I projected five miles a day. I should uh, make my thousand miles this year, yeah. and it wasn't until I had pushed it and gotten to that level that was just unbelievably like you'll never make it. I still to this day I've, I've run almost 800 miles already. Yeah. I hate running. Yeah, I don't I don't enjoy it by any measure, but it's one of those when I. When I have that goal ahead of me, I know I have to do five miles tonight. When I have that goal ahead of me and I knock it out afterwards, I feel good. Yeah. And it's it's by no measure is it a runner's high. It is yeah. a I've I had a goal, I set my goal, I accomplished that little piece of incremental growth that mm-hmm. I was looking for today, mm-hmm. and I've achieved it. And then the next day everything feels a little better until it gets around, you know, <laughs> evening time and I have to do my run again, I feel right. good. Yes. But, right, right. Um, that's, that's the one thing that keeps me going every day is I, I know what my goals are. It's incremental growth and it's the, it's the big kind of, um, the prize at the end of the rainbow, the end of the year, I'm going to have a big old celebration. I'll probably, probably never have a goal like this again. I'll I'll pick something that's more uh, palatable. So from what I'm hearing is in the same year, you have not just ran 500 miles, but you are going to exceed and run 1,000 miles. Right. So I've, I've beaten those that mm-hmm. I couldn't do in the past, and it was because I set my goal so much higher than what I was expecting mm-hmm. to do. When you, yeah. when you have a reasonable goal, and I thought, oh, 500 miles, reasonable goal, um, it's easy to, to quit because it's, it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But when it's a real challenge and you challenge yourself, you put so much effort and so much time into it, and then it's like, I can't, 
I can't turn back I now. Say, at this point, you're 800 miles. Yeah, you that's it. Like you have to get right. to a thousand. <laughs> right, right. That that was the thought process, and so far, it's it looks like it's going to work. So I'm I'm kind of curious. I'll be thinking for the next month and a half or so. Of, you know, what I want to do for for January first, and what do I want to mm-hmm. set my goal for next year? But um, we should do that, Nick. Do you want to do a let's run thousand miles triathlon? No, nope, I don't want to run a thousand. No. I, that was the part I hated the most. <laughs> right. I was like, why can't we do the running? first like i just want to get that out of the why does it have to be last like i just want to be done no i'm not a runner oh i tried <laughs> you hear you hear it here folks i tried, tried. thousand miles nick no, no. but I, I really do i love that idea because you know like that you, anybody can use that in their business in in, mm-hmm. in any industry that they're in you know for mm-hmm. instance you know we have guests like that are in the mortgage industry or guests that are in the insurance industry and they have goals and for them of wanting to in their business, utilize that. Why not go the extra mile? Let's mm. double that and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. And then when you hit that, you know, minimal goal of five hundred, you're already halfway there that you right. can keep yeah. going. So that's absolutely yeah, fantastic. Even when you fail, you you met your your previous goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just in, like I said, incremental growth. You know, yeah. I, I look at it as every single day, five miles a day. That's what I have to do in order mm-hmm. to get through. Yeah, and you know, as you said, every other business, just if if you set your individual daily goals and keep track of them that way, and just making sure that just today I'm going to focus on that one goal and knock that one goal out, you carry that all the way 365 days a year. You put yourself in a better position. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on here. We will put your contact information in the show notes if people want to reach out. Um, And like we mentioned, if you or somebody you know is going through something, please do not hesitate to uh, reach out to somebody. There's no shame in that. There's no stigma in that. They're not a terrible person or they're not broken or messed up. Um, we all need help. And we have all been in that place. And so please, if, if you're in that situation or know someone, please reach out. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those listening, please rate, review, subscribe. We hate saying it, but uh, you know those things help the algorithms and help more people hear this. Five-star reviews, all the one-star reviews can go to Dustin at cham- GarnerChamber.com. Um, And we will talk to you guys in a few weeks. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So I bought a a acoustic guitar off Amazon. And it turns out that was a junior guitar for young kids. Yeah. I did not get an adult guitar. I didn't know there was such thing. I, it fit me, and then I'm pretty that certain. That was the funniest part.